Welcome to the Creative South Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Frostholm. Today, I talk with Josh Emmerich. Josh is an illustrator and designer based out of Indianapolis. He runs Emmerich Office with his wife, Katie, while raising four kids and a dog. We talk about designing for craft beer, illustrating characters and creatures for campy creatures, finding work-life balance, and more, all right after this. We all secretly, and some of us openly, know that we have a deep love for stickers. Whenever we go to Creative South, we come home with a massive sticker haul and we feel like kids again. But why do we have to wait another year for this feeling? Luckily, Slaptastic can give you that feeling each and every month, direct to your mailboxes. Each month, you'll receive a pack of six limited edition themed stickers that you can enjoy and share with your friends and family. Head on over to www.slaptastic.com cs17 and sign up today with a special offer just for you. We've gone through and streamlined the Creative South Podcast Patreon page, cleaning out the excess and making it easier for you to support us. With options starting at just $1 per month, you can help support the podcast and even wind up with some cool Creative South Podcast swag. Every dollar helps cover hosting costs, upgrade equipment, and keep the podcast going. When you become a Creative South patron, you'll get access to exciting Creative South news before anyone else, Creative South podcast stickers and t-shirts. So please help support the podcast and become a patron over at patreon.com slash creative south. Josh, thanks for joining me this evening. I'm glad to be here. So why don't we start off, where'd you grow up? I grew up on the south side of Indianapolis mm-hmm. in kind of a, a blue-collar family. All my uh, relatives, aunts and uncles, and uh, grandparents and parents, um, none of them were artists, and all of them were um, either engineers or self-employed. Mm-hmm. So... They didn't know quite what to do with me. <laughs> <laughs> so were you were you an artsy kid growing up? Yeah, I, uh, I it was always something that I was good at ever since I was little. I could draw pretty well. Mm-hmm. And um, so it, I was that was kind of my identity growing up in in high school and even elementary school. Um, so, yeah, it's always been something that I never had to question or wonder what I wanted to do with my life. Gotcha. I've always wanted to do art. So. Gotcha. So when you get through school, do you end up going to college or do you strike out on your own right away? Um, I went, I went to college and, um, I went to art school. I actually studied studio painting and, um, digital art and a whole bunch of other things. A lot of art history as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, design and illustration were kind of, not on the top of my list when I went to school. It kind of was something that uh, kind of came about because I was like, hey, you know, you can make art and get paid um, and not have to be a starving artist at first. Yeah, getting paid um, is good. Yeah, getting paid is good. So you go through school, you're kind of studying multidiscipline stuff. You know, when does it dawn on you? At what point does the getting paid part kind of occur to you of maybe I should switch and start doing some more of this? Well, I had a, a mentor. I, I, I did switch my major to graphic design early on, but it wasn't really sort of a um, exciting thing. I was just sort of t- 
taking that because graphic design where I went to school encapsulated a lot of different art. And so mm -hmm. I could do a lot of different things and get, be very versatile mm -hmm. um, and learn a lot of different things. But I, I took an internship with a place called Lodge Design. And at the time there was a designer there named Eric Cass and he and I uh, spent a lot of time together and he invested a lot of time in me. And uh, he was sort of the first graphic designer that I met whose work when I looked at it really looked like art. And uh, I, I never thought that graphic d design could be this really high art form as well. Mm -hmm. So I think that's where it really clicked for me. So, so th this clicks in. You've got this mentorship through this internship. What do you end? What do you end up doing when you get out of college? Um, when I got out of school, it was 2012. No, sorry, 2002. Um, 2002, <laughs> I graduated. Uh, yeah, 2002, and it was it was pretty rough out there. There wasn't a lot of design jobs, especially in. Indianapolis. So I took another internship when mm -hmm. I graduated and went to work for a place called Dean Johnson Design. And it was, uh, it was a great place because um, both the owners there, even though I was an intern, I was kind of going to meetings and presenting, sure. <laughs> which was kind of an interesting place for a, an intern to, to start out. Mm -hmm. And I learned a ton there of, of how to present to clients and how to sort of do the business side of design, not just making cool stuff, um, but actually fighting for your work and showing it off and that kind of stuff. So I stayed out in Indianapolis for a year and then uh, found a, a, a full-time uh, job out in Colorado and I was there for 10 years. Gotcha. What were you doing out in Colorado? I started, I started out doing outdoor sports stuff uh -huh. and then I uh, um, went to work for a publisher and did kids stuff. And then uh, at that point, uh, I kind of wanted to see what it was like out on my own. That I started out on my own with uh, Tenfold Collective was my former business, and we started in 2006. Mm -hmm. And so, so you're out on your own. Or do you consider yourself a one-man shop at that point, or are you just kind of a freelancer fumbling your way through? Um, By I had a I had a business partner mm -hmm. um, at Tenfold, and we had at most six employees or six total people. Mm -hmm. um, and so Tenfold uh, was about I was we I was there for about five or six years. Mm -hmm. um, and I at first it was sort of you know fumbling along. I basically left my former job with one client, um, mm -hmm. and my business partner had a few clients and. That one client, though, was was great. It kind of helped bankroll us for the first two years. Um, and then somehow we ended up stumbling into craft beer, which sort of <laughs> really kind of kind of took me on my next trajectory. Gotcha. Well, let's talk about that craft beer because that's, you know, I, when I think about you as a designer, that's probably one of the first things that pops into my mind is all the craft beer stuff that you've done. How did you, how did you end up with your first gig in it? So I did a, um, there was a, an agency in Denver, um, that did a lot of work for Coors mm -hmm. and they, they reached out to uh, us to do a project called Colorado native. Mm-hmm. And that was my first experience with beer, but that that's not really technically craft beer because it's Coors, but um, 
what was really fun about it was it was my first experience kind of going into that world. And um, what's great about a craft beer label is it unites typography with image and concept and brand all in one little project. Mm-hmm. And I loved all those things. So it was this great opportunity to take all these things that I really wanted to do and put them all into one project every single time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's how I got started with that. And then after that, it, there was a, a brewery that was opening up in our hometown. We were in Loveland, Colorado, and uh, it was called uh, Grim Brothers Brewing. And uh, I approached them and said, you know, hey, I, I see you guys are starting up. You're in our hometown. We're the hometown graphic designers. You've got to work with us. And I think at that point, they had no idea like <laughs> what uh, what they were getting into. But um, we, we basically kind of uh, started trading beer, which... Um, uh, don't ever do that because you can never drink enough beer for the work that you end up doing. No, but no. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, we we st- started off trading beer, and uh, they were kind of skeptical at first. And um, we did some mood boards, and they had no idea where we were really going. I think you know it's it's very much a um, they don't in craft beer. Not a lot of the people that start up craft beer have experience with design or marketing or branding at all. Sure, um, they're mostly engineers and. Uh, these guys are kind of all from an engineering background or real estate sales or something like that. And so um, they didn't really fully get it until we did our first presentation. And then, you know, they were pretty sold and um, kind of trusted us with whatever. Most of the time, it only was like, we basically just go to final and they were like, great, looks great. Let's go. <laughs> so that was kind of uh, spoiled us quite a bit. I can imagine. So, you know, you're doing this stuff and, you know, you mentioned early on you when you were doing your internship, you had been doing a lot of pitches and things like that. How much does that help you when you go out and start your own thing? That's something that it's probably been um, a strength of mine is presenting to clients. Um, it's, it's definitely gave me a ton of... Um, confidence walking into every meeting. And I've always been someone that when I'm presenting, I can think on my feet pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other thing is that I have, I have reasons for everything that I do with a design. And there's a lot of stuff that goes into process that makes presentation, uh, presenting easy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and just being able to identify those main points with the client ahead of time and walking them through. Um, yeah, I've, I've always been, good at being able to handle those situations, especially when clients throw you a curveball. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, I think a lot of that comes out of also coming from a very non-artistic family <laughs> and having to explain what I'm doing all the time to them and why, why this is important or why this makes sense or why this, why this is good art and this is not good art. Um, so I think I've always had that background and it's really helped me speak to people that have no familiarity with design. Well, that's cool because I think a lot of designers definitely struggle with that presentation portion. I know that's you know, probably my weakest point is you know I I can explain it to another artist all day long, but when it comes to somebody who's not in that background, I start fumbling all over myself and sound like a blathering idiot. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the, go ahead. That. Uh... Uh, there's, I'm sure there's plenty of times I've sounded like an idiot, but uh, I, I don't think my clients would let me know that. I think they'd like to hold that 
over my head for a while. <laughs> they wait till you leave the room and then tell you. Yeah. Talk about what an idiot you were. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure it's happened. So, so getting back to the beer stuff, you, you you're in Loveland. You know, you you started working with a local brewery. Um, how do you start expanding out from there, especially in the beer market? So, um, the work that we did for Grimm Brothers, uh, we, we kind of just posted it on our website and our blog, and then it got picked up by the die line. And at the mm-hmm. time the die line wasn't, it was still big, but it wasn't as big as it is now. And, um, over the course of the year, and this is before they had the die line awards, mm-hmm. they would take, uh, you know, the ed- their editors and people that write for them, I think would take projects throughout the whole year and um, sort of do their top 100 projects. And um, Kra- uh, Kraken Rum was number one. Mm-hmm. And Grimm Brothers Brewhouse, the stuff that we did was number two out of their top 100 for that year. And I think after that, it was just sort of one after another. So right after I did uh, Grimm Brothers, uh, you went to brewing in Salt Lake City, mm-hmm. reached out. I, I think they they had some... Uh, consultants that worked uh, for them that had seen that stuff and then reached out to us. And then it was a sort of a process of just landing that work and doing a good job with it. Mm -hmm. And then there was a lot of people that saw that. And so definitely word of mouth uh, traveled quickly. And so it was just sort of one after another. We sort of went from, um, you know, this, this little Coors project to Grimm Brothers to Uinta to Speakeasy um, to pale fight. Uh, there's, there's a whole bunch of other steps in between. Ultimately, um, when I left tenfold and started Emmerich office and kind of went off on my own to focus on craft beer and craft businesses, mm-hmm. um, I ended up sort of my first two new ones that I did were copper kettle and, uh, bottle logic brewing in Anaheim, California. Mm-hmm. So, and those have been two sort of projects that have been a labor of love for me in terms of that, that audience sort of culminating everything that I've learned about craft beer into probably those two breweries have been really great. And then there's some other ones that I've been working on that are also uh, exciting, but um, I can only do so much craft beer. And so now um, (laughs) I don't, I don't work on craft, accept craft beer clients anymore unless they're, you know, really unique or different and kind of uh, have stayed focused on, on the ones that I have now, which is great because they basically, what's great about craft beer is you have um, regular needs as a graphic designer. And mm. It's an awesome, awesome client to have because the, the industry is driven by choice and what's new. So my clients are always you know, creating new things all the time. And so part of my job as a designer has sort of shifted towards, you know, how can we do these regular releases and do new stuff all the time, but not break their bank um, mm. with illustration and design all the time. So how do I how do I adapt templates that I make and things so that uh, it's inexpensive for them to push out a beer, you know, a- as much as three times a month? Um, so mm. that's that's wow. uh, kind of sort of the new challenge going forward. Well, how do you go? But I mean, especially with packaging stuff, how are you building something that's and people can't see me doing air quotes templated yet keeping it fresh? Um, I. Th- well, I think uh, tem- I, when I say template, it's it's sort of developing kind of a, a brand signature or a series signature, mm-hmm. and then kind of playing within that box. But um, I mean, I th- I think 
part of that is is sort of knowing um, within within the template what can you make new and what can you make fresh and what is your area to play so that um, you know when your client comes to you and needs this beer really fast you kind of have a preset sandbox that's there um, mm. and and having that sort of rigidity or austerity kind of allows you to be creative within a small space. It also helps your client focus so that they're not, you know, scope creeping on these fast projects that they need quickly. Sure. So um, I think in terms of trying to make each one feel unique and different, you sort of focus on these one little part, this, these small parts um, that, that you, you pack a lot of creativity in, mm-hmm. um, whereas the rest of it sort of conveys more of a corporate brand, um, which, you know, for better or worse, that's sort of the, the, the struggle that we have in terms of uh, that, that speed to market with craft beer. Mm. Um, and other ones, um, so I'm working on a solution right now um, and just wrapped one up for a bottle logic where they want to release these, um, you know, IPAs, you know, bi-monthly. And uh, so the solution that we came up with was I'm going to make a ton of stickers and icons and we're just going to create this huge mm-hmm. library up front. And then I can pull elements from those libraries and remix them in different ways uh, to create new cans, new artwork for each release. Um, and then along the way, whenever we need like a little piece of something that's a little bit unique to that beer, I can create it. But I have this sort of whole library of stuff that people hasn't, haven't seen that I can remix and, and reuse each time. So you're working with them and building out a strategy as well almost. Um, not just about design, but figuring out how the scope of what their projects are going to encompass throughout the year and how and figuring that on the front end and, and then proceeding from there. Yeah, I would say most of my clients that I work with on a regular basis all the time, I, I, I kind of function a little bit more as a one-man design firm than I do mm-hmm. just a, a freelancer or a solo designer. And so with Bottle Logic and a few of my other clients, I, I, I really take a strong strategy role. Um, and and I, I think part of that is if you don't, um, someone really smart, smarter than I uh, came up with a statement that if, you, if you're able to help define the problem, you also control the solution. So <laughs> um, if you unpack that a little bit, what that means is if you're sitting at the uh, at a at, at the table with your clients and you're helping them define what their problem is and helping them figure out how they can address it then you're you're more than just a designer to them you're you're an integral part of their business and therefore you're sort of um responsible for like defining what the project is beyond just a creative brief and that sure. gives you a lot more power as a designer to really shape things in a creative way and it, it has paid off for my clients as well. They've all grown, you know, uh, and and it, what's cool about sort of that close relationship as well is that they'll share financial information with me, like where where they're at this month or what month and do they need a bump and how can we, you know, do that. But the cool part is, is I get to see in, 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 in uh, actual dollars and cents how the work that I do makes an impact on their bottom line, which is sort of a... Um, makes me feel good about what I do every day because I'm helping these people sort of achieve their dreams and their goals mm-hmm. uh, for, for their small business. So um, like, like I, I have four kids and, and my clients have kids and, you know, some of them don't have kids yet, but 
just that feeling of helping them make it help their, you know, helping their dream become realized is, is a fun part of what I do. Sure. So, you know, you're, you're going into these things where you're more than just a designer. You're a part, it's more of a partnership really. Um, you know, and, and it sounds like, especially with the craft beer stuff and, and, you know, I don't want to just talk about craft beer, but it, it sounds like that with that, a lot of stuff, especially since the die line thing came out, um, you haven't had to go necessarily find the clients with them. A lot of them are finding you. Is that, is that an accurate representation? Yeah. So, um, I think, oh, beautiful beer has been a great source of work, uh, mm-hmm. in the past for me. And, um, you know, when you have, uh, you know, five or six beers in your portfolio or not five or six beers, but five or six beer clients in your portfolio. Sure. Um, most of the time they come to you. So just sort of trying to figure out which ones are the ones that you'd really need to focus on. And, and, uh, it gets hard cause it's hard cause they, there's some that come along that have a great concept, but I just don't have the, the time or the bandwidth. So, mm-hmm. um, that's when I, that's when I, 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 I need, uh, I have some friends in the design world that also have beer experience in it. So I think there's a little bit of a brotherhood where we all send each other work. Uh, if someone needs work, we can kind of get it over to them. Sure. So, uh, if anyone needs a, re- <laughs> needs, needs any beer work, uh, send me your contact information and I'll, I'll try <laughs> to shepherd people your way. <laughs> I'm, you've already got my contact information. Just start sending them to me. <laughs> um, so, you know, one of the things I wanted to ask you about, and this is kind of taking a hard left from that is, you know, re- recently I talked with Maddox Schuler, um, and, and he name dropped you of uh, doing the illustrations for the campy creatures. Um, tell me a little bit about that project. Yeah. So oddly enough, it's not really a hard left from beer because they found me be- through the work that I had done for bottle logic. And I had done some sort of pulpy pulp fiction illustrated series mm-hmm. of beers for them. And Maddox saw that. And while they were working on, the campy creatures game, you know, that's the direction they wanted to go. And they saw that and they thought, you know, maybe this guy could illustrate it a lot better than, <laughs> than we could or figuring out how, how to, you know, replicate that style when I was already doing um, some stuff like that. And so he reached out and, uh, I really wanted to do something that was just a little bit different. Um, mm-hmm. and so he reached out and we, we sort of, um, came to terms in terms of, you know, what, what I retain in terms of ownership. And, and at, at the very beginning, it was sort of pretty easy in the sense that this is, this is something that I'm already into. Like I love uh, vintage movies and horror movies and um, B movies and um, any kind of movie. And, and uh, I had a Pinterest board going of tons of Pulp Fiction-y stuff Mm -hmm. and uh, classic movie posters. And so I had this sort of wealth of, um, inspiration. And so we, we started doing, um, we sort of broke up each there's, there's nine, uh, campy creatures. So the way the game works is everyone has a hand of monsters and, uh, you're Mm -hmm. trying to capture mortals and each monster, um, in your, in your hand has a certain strength and then they also have ability an ability. So some of them can cancel each other out and they're based on sort of these classic, you know, 
horror movie tropes or monster tropes of a vampire, a mummy, um, the invisible man, sort of a space invader. And so with each one of these, we had to, there was so much illustration, we had to break it up into sections. So I kind of had, you know, this first wave of, of creatures, then the second wave of creatures, and this third wave of creatures. Um, mm-hmm. And it was sort of the first client that I had where they actually wanted me to post stuff as I'm working. Um, most of the beer people want to hold their cards really tight. Um, and so <laughs> it was kind of refreshing to kind of show people a little bit more of my process, which I've got to get better at, but um, showing people my sketches and then, you know, here's this card in development and here's this poster that's now a little bit more refined. And um, so we've been releasing them and their response has been great. And they're in the middle of their Kickstarter now, but by the time you're listening to this, uh, they will probably, uh, they've already hit their goal. So they'll probably be uh, getting ready to send out some awesome stuff uh, pretty soon. So, but yeah, it's been great. And it's, it's really helped me sort of, um, break out of just being known as the beer guy, um, or the craft beer guy. <laughs> so when you're working on these, cause a lot of them, you know, you kind of reference the pulp fiction or not pulp fiction. Um, but the, the pulp movies and the, the, the serial comics of like the forties and fifties that they, they kind of reference, but they also play a lot on the old universal horror movies that came out. Did you use a lot of that as reference? Um, I think part of that is, you know, we had to go look at that stuff because it was, it's so much a part of everyone's consciousness or how they think of, um, those. So, um, but at the same time though, you know, we wanted to make sure that we kind of created characters that are kind of like that. So it, it's familiar, but different. So we wanted to, to have a little bit of a campy creatures, um, our own spin on those characters a little bit. So, um, for example, you know, we didn't know that the uh, the whole Universal was doing the re- redoing the the Mummy again without Brendan Fraser, um, and it looks like this With time Tom the Mummy Cruise is this time, right? <laughs> right, right, and and the Mummy this time is a female character. It looks like so we didn't know that at the time, and we really wanted there to be a gender balance because we wanted this game to be a little bit for everybody, not just people mm-hmm. that love horror movies and that kind of stuff and, and, and we didn't want it to feel predominantly male either. So, um, we really tried to create characters that even my daughters would like. Um, mm-hmm. and so we, we made, you know, the, the, the mummy female and we made, the, you know, try to make the, the fam, the vampire, the vampire, um, the vampire female. Um, <laughs> and so we, there's, there's a little bit of difference on each one. And, um, some of those universal ones are, are trademarked and stuff like that. So we wanted to make sure that ours were different from theirs a little bit. So, um, sure. while we were playing in the same sandbox, we really kind of wanted to kind of put our own stamp on it. Well, I mean, I think you did a good job of making them recognizable yet your own. Um, what was the process of illustrating those out like? Um, well, I, I, the way, the way that I tend to work is I, I, I need a lot of reference material. So, um, what I'll do is take photos of my wife or myself with my iPad or iPhone just to kind of get, get that, uh, pose right. Um, and I love figure drawing, but sometimes when we're working, um, we don't have a ton of time to sit there and do a whole lot of iterations of stuff. So, I would take photos of myself and and what was really key for the campy creatures was I really wanted them to feel a little bit 3d. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so if you look at the, some of the art, you know, there's a lot of stuff like coming out like an old, like a 3D movie uh, towards you or breaking the frame a little bit. And so I, I was taking pictures of myself. So like Kong, mm-hmm. if you look at that one, the beast, uh, that's actually my hand. And uh, the vampire was my wife. And, you know, so we were basically sort of posing each other so I could get some reference material. And then I take that in onto uh, an iPad Pro where it's just great to sort of sketch it out and get the layout right. And then I use that to kind of work in value. And I learned a little bit of that process from doing um, the speakeasy art that I did Mm -hmm. for speakeasy ales and lagers, which is sort of got this film noir feel. Mm -hmm. But that sort of helped me like ever since that project I've had a, it's really helped me understand value and how to, where to place value for emphasis in an illustration. Mm-hmm. And so I would just sort of block in value and then it's sort of just going in and, um, everyone's favorite. I, I, I do, uh, take it into Photoshop and then I use Kyle Webster brushes, which are amazing. I'm sure everyone <laughs> talks about those, but, uh, those were super handy and um, I'd been sort of painting at a little bit of a pulpy style before, but mm-hmm. this really helped me sort of refine that having this much in a row where I can kind of focus on that style for a while. I think one of the things that's difficult for me is because I work with different clients um, in different areas and um, especially in the, the brewing world where everyone has to look a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really forced me to learn like, I have multiple illustration styles going, so I have to remind myself, okay, now how did I do that? And it was nice with Campy Creatures, I kind of could just focus on one style for like a month mm-hmm. and uh, hammer through those. So that's a little bit of the process. And then I would show them to uh, Kyle and Maddox, and usually they had very few you know, uh, suggestions, and, and uh, they were on board with most of what I wanted to do. So sure. um, they made it really easy. They were amazing clients, so... They, uh, they really made the work better and at the same time gave me a ton of freedom. Which is kind of scary because they're both designers and they're both really good designers. So, like, you know, every time <laughs> I'd send stuff off for the first few times, I was like, do they love it? Do they hate it? But, you know, Maddox is very uh, exuberant in his his responses. So, it was really, uh, really made me feel good and, and comforted and, and uh, you know, confident about mm-hmm. what I was doing with that whole project. So, he was a great art director for us. Gotcha. So you, you, you mentioned, you know, with the having to work in different illustration styles and kind of getting caught is, you know, there's a lot of great illustrators out there, but they, a lot of them only have really one style. How are you balancing and finding different styles within and being able to adapt? Um, I think when I was an art director in publishing, um, this was before I started Tenfold and everything. Um, I, sometimes I would, you know, be working on a project and there's just a style that I couldn't find or someone, someone might be doing similar to what I wanted as an art director, but not actually doing it themselves. And so sometimes I would, uh, I kind of learned doing different styles because I wanted a style and it didn't exist as an art director. And so I think sure. that's kind of where that sort of developed, but now it's sort of, um, you know, I'll be, as I'm thinking creatively for a client and I'm trying to create a creative direction for, for a client and kind of make them look unique, you know, there's things out there that I might be inspired and I'll, I'll pull several different, you know, genres together to kind of create a, a new thing. And so I, mm-hmm. the other thing is that um, I have a hard time. I like that variety. I really, I, I would, 
I would really struggle doing one style. So it's always scary to me when I do a new style and it's, or I'm working on something and it's really well received. I'm worried about it. Like, you know, becoming something that people start calling me for when I'm, you know, actually kind of like sure, doing this other thing over here as well. Style. Yeah. And that's, so like I'm envious of illustrators that kind of have one style and people really know them. So a lot of, you know, and it's hard for me to understand, like I'm too close to the work. So I can't really, I'm sure if people looked at my stuff, they'd probably say, Oh, that's Josh Emmerich style. But um, it's really hard for me to see that because I'm really trying to push uh, each client to look a little bit different. Although there's typefaces that you love and, you know, so you have your go-to typefaces and it's hard to turn away from those. So um, sure. there's definitely some guilty pleasures with those. But um, I really have a hard time uh, sort of being able to sit still on one style because I'm just – inspiration keeps moving and I kind of want to keep moving with it. Mm -hmm. So – you know, that moving with it, what are some of the goals that you're hoping to, to, to kind of branch out into reach? Well, I think at this point, like, um, you know, I've, I've always sort of wanted, uh, I've always made a conscious decision to be a, a designer for small business and craft companies. Um, mm -hmm. you know, I've done work for larger agencies and I just hated it. I hated, um, I'm so used to being so much more in control with my own clients and like, I hate sort of being, um, you know, not very connected with, 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 the, with a client when I'm working through an agency, it just seems to take a lot of the fun out of it. So I, I don't, I don't want to really grow my, my, my design practice any larger, but really sort of find ways that I can create my own brand. And I know that a lot of other designers do this really, really well. I just haven't been able to settle down, uh, long enough to sort of figure out what I really want to do. But, um, I think my end goal someday would be to create a brand of my own, whether that's my own beer, my own, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I just want to do something a little bit different than, and I think this is what's really cool about, uh, Campy Creatures and Maddox Schuler and, and Kyle Key sort of, you know, they're designers, but they've created a, uh, a, a game board company. And I think that's really exciting where you know that, uh, you know, their skills as designers are really reinforcing the kind of games that they make. Um, and it's more than just a poster or a t-shirt or, you know, I, there's nothing wrong with these things, but like where you, where, where you as a designer are able to create your own company or your own, um, intellectual property that, that, um, sort of transcends just graphic design type stuff, regular graphic design type swag. And so someday I'd like to really pursue that. I have some ideas, but I can't really talk about them. <laughs> Dang it. Um, so, you know, you've, you've been working with beer, you've been working with packaging, you've, you've started doing, you know, these card designs, you know, what are some of the other things that you're working on now that kind of vary, um, or at least that you can talk about, um, that are, that are kind of breaking that mold. Cause I, you mentioned a while back of, you know, not really taking on new craft beer clients of, because you're wanting to do different stuff. So I'm, I'm curious about that of, you know, I, I really like other than the, the stuff that I have, um, that I'm kind of keeping close to my chest. Um, you know, I really want to keep doing better with the clients that I've got. 
Um, mm-hmm. I think there's always room to grow with that. Um, you know, I, I think that with, with campy creatures, I don't know how far that'll go with, in terms of expansion packs and that kind of stuff. Um, if Pixar was out there and needed me to do something, I would totally uh, want to get into the the animation game. Like, uh, there's definitely some people that I admire. Uh, big friend Joshua Holtzclaw, he does some great stuff, and he works for Pixar. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'd love to do something um, where I could take the animate, you know, take illustration and and be a part of something where it's it's where it's larger storytelling. And I think that's sort of something that I've always loved. And the types of clients and work that I've taken on is um, with with a beer label or a, a game. Um, mm-hmm. There's there's this whole element of, and I've always treated beer bottles and and the things that I work on this way is that like there's this whole deeper story um, around everything that I'm doing with each beer label or or campy creatures. Where in my head I have this whole story going on. And uh, mm-hmm. I just love that aspect of storytelling. Although I am the worst storyteller when it comes to verbally telling a story. Um, <laughs> my wife, Katie, who works with me, she's basically my business partner now and life partner, whatever. Um, she, uh, she gives me a hard time because I cannot like tell a story the way that she thinks. a tor- st- Yeah. So she always is taking over my stories because I'll get bogged down in some sort of detail. But in terms of visual storytelling, like I love that aspect. So um, any any project that I can take on where I just get to tell this sort of deep and rich story. I did a, a project for uh, fonts.com mm-hmm. uh, last year where it was called Fontacular. And every year they pick a different artist, illustrator, designer uh, to kind of theme this big uh, font sale that they have. And last year I got to do it and I had this whole sort of... Um, Norse saga theme going on and and uh like I I researched all these things around it and like behind the scenes you know like I have this whole story that I had laid out which could have been like this whole <laughs> epic poem but you know it only the visual part of it you know you kind of see so like I love that being able to immerse myself so deep into something um and I have a very sort of addictive personality when it comes to like if if there's a subject matter that I'm interested in, I will just go um, you know 24 seven. That's all I think about. That's all I talk about. Um, and my kids are that way, and it drives drives us nuts. Um, <laughs> I have I have I have four kids, and I have two kids that are definitely this way. And I have one that's super into dinosaurs, and it kind of changes for them. They have like periods of, of things that they get into, but I see a lot of myself in that. So, mm-hmm. um, but like I think for future stuff the more I can get immersed in a project and it it can be sort of this long ongoing thing. I really love those experiences as as a designer, as opposed to, you know, I know a lot of designers kind of like to do identities and then just keep doing identities. Mm -hmm. But I really like working with clients for a, for a long term because I just keep, I like to just keep pushing those brands a little bit further and uncovering a little bit more of what the story is. Sure. So you mentioned your four kids and that your wife is your business partner. Um, how are you, A, finding time to fit everything in and, you know, still have a f- balanced family life and, you know, not not uh, stay up till four in the morning? Or are you staying up till four in the morning? <laughs> I can't. I oh, I used to be able to stay up late, but now I I can't. Uh, I can't really work past midnight. So, um, but I think 
part of the reason why when I was at Tenfold, um, it was very unbalanced and um, my wife and I had some some tough times. And so, especially with four kids and I, I never wanted to have four kids. I, I, I told my wife that I didn't want to have any kids by the time I was 30 mm-hmm. and I had three kids with one on the way by the time I was 30. So, I've been kind of uh, dealing with this for a while, but um, they're great. They're wonderful. Uh, but uh, I think the the biggest reason why I left Tenfold and, and kind of broke off solo was that so I could work from home because um, I can at least be home and take a break and have dinner with my family mm-hmm. as opposed to, um, you know, being at the office or being away and, you know, not having any employees anymore, which means I'm not as scalable but at the same time, I don't, um, I don't have to manage their work anymore. So when I'm done with my work, I don't have to worry about anyone else's and I can go spend time with the family, spend time with the kids. And the other thing that's been great is um, when, when I left Tenfold, you know, just to kind of set our family straight back on track, we, we did these epic summer road trips where we, you know, took three months at a time and we're on the road mm-hmm. um, for most of the summer. And, um, and I could work from the road, but it allowed us to just have a little bit more time together and kind of reset that. Um, but it's still a struggle. You know, I, I don't have any great advice other than, you know, just, uh, as much as you can don't work on the weekends. Um, and it's, <laughs> it's hard for me. It's hard for me. It makes me be much more disciplined throughout the week to kind of get things done. Um, but I think, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's definitely, something that I'm still learning to deal mm. with. Well, and your kids are still relatively young, aren't they? They're how old's your oldest and how old's your youngest? My oldest is this is bad. I'm I can't even remember their ages. <laughs> <laughs> she just Uh-oh. turned 11 is my oldest and my youngest uh just turned uh 6. And so um they're they're you know, they're past diaper stage and all that kind of stuff. So it's it's uh they're, you deal more with now sort of um, just making sure that they get their school and all that kind of stuff done mm-hmm. and that they're staying on top of their their own responsibilities. Um, but they're also at the age where they could really wreck stuff. <laughs> so that's, that's the thing that's uh, tough right now. But, um, you know, I think what's, what's really fun about being an artist and even though I, I know that I, I might tread a little bit on uh, family time with the amount of work that I take on and those kind of things. Uh, but my kids get to see me do it, which is probably the most, I think that's a good trade off in my opinion, because they get to see how passionate I am about something and that I'm, mm-hmm. I'm trying to make it happen and they love art and they love what I do. And that was the other thing that was great about campy creatures. It was like one of the only things that I can show my kids since I do beer stuff all the time. Uh, <laughs> normally, they don't get to really see much, much of the beer stuff since it's, you know, inappropriate for kids, but, um, they love only inappropriate for them to drink it. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, but like for campy creatures, they, they loved watching me do the sketches and it was awesome to be able to share that with them. And Mm. so I think, you know, my, my kids are excited about what I do. And I think, you know, for them to be able to see, even though I'm, you know, spending time on it, at least they can see the worthwhileness of what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that they think it's still kind of cool. So, um, you know, I hope that inspires them to, to be, uh, that passionate about things that they get to do. Mm-hmm. 
that they want to do in life. So, you know, finding that balance, you know, with your kids and your family, you mentioned your wife's kind of acts as your business partner now too. What, what role is she taking on? Um, so now that our youngest is in school, she's, she's actually in the process of getting back more into design. Um, we just moved, uh, from Indianapolis, from, from Colorado to Indianapolis, uh, to mm-hmm. be closer to family. But she, uh, she's for a while has just been sort of doing the books, um, and kind of helping me deal with the, all the stuff that, you know, us designers and creative types hate to do. Um, but she's <laughs> sort of good at those things at the same time as being a good designer, mm-hmm. great designer. Um, but right now she's sort of, um, going back through and relearning the programs. And we actually met while she was in, uh, design school. And, um, so she did this amazing portfolio and then we got married and had a kid. <laughs> and so she, <laughs> she had this, had all this potential. And, uh, so now I've, I've been really trying to make sure that, uh, the work that I do is good enough to make sure to make up for me stealing the world from her, her work. But, um, I'm hoping that she can kind of get back in the saddle here pretty soon. But in terms of working dynamic, it's been amazing. Like I, I thought I'd never wanted to marry another designer, but, um, or artist person. Because I'm married to a designer maybe, as well, by the way. <laughs> yeah. So like, and you'll know this too, like, they're the, like they understand why you geek out about stuff so much and, and to have mm-hmm. someone that can't enjoy that with you, it, you know, I, you're doing yourself a disservice. So I'm not saying get a divorce if you're not married for a designer, not married to another designer, but like, uh, it's just so great. If you're, if you're dating, uh, out there, find someone that shares similar interests. You know, it's great. It's great to have someone different than you that, you know, that has different skill sets than you, but, mm-hmm. and it, and it's going to be hard at first. Like there's still scars in our marriage because I was working while she was still in school and uh-huh. so I had, you know, been through the whole portfolio thing. And so I critiqued your portfolio and I was not kind because the type of feedback that I like is I, I want to know what's wrong, you know, and I want to argue with people about it and she's not that way. And so there's still <laughs> scars in our marriage from me critiquing her portfolio. Um, but yeah, she, uh, <laughs> she holding that over you. <laughs> yeah. She's definitely the type that uh, will remember uh, everything wrong that I did. She's starting to forget some things now. Cause there's, there's other stuff that I've done that's come up recently, but um, no, she's, she's just, <laughs> so uh, you're just replacing um, it. <laughs> yeah. I'm just replacing all the, the bad memories that, yeah, she can only hold so many hopefully. So no, but she, um, she said, you know, she, she sees everything that comes out of the office and, um, you know, I, I get her, she's also a little bit of a, a, a moral compass for me too, you know, just being able to make sure that like, Hey, am I doing this the right way? Am I, you know, as, as people who influence culture, you know, am I being careful with what I'm, of how I'm influencing people and I'm, am I being ethically, um, you know, ethical about the decisions that I'm making. Cause sometimes when we're down doing the work, you know, it's, it's easy to forget, you know, mm-hmm. that there's consequences to some of the things that we're doing. And she kind of helps me with that. But then she also helps me to make sure that things are reading right from a visual perspective. And, um, you know, it, it's, she also just comes at things from a completely different perspective and gives me a lot more, um, things to think about as we're, as we're working through together on projects. Sure. Can you give me an example of how that, that kind of steering you in the ethical way, making sure you're doing right works? Cause I'm not sure I'm following you. Right. 
Because I try to oh, think of like, the work that um, I do in. Well, I think in terms of beer, uh, you know, you want to make sure that it doesn't feel like it's too cartooned so that it feels like a product for kids, you know? So uh, like sometimes, you know, like, like there's a ton of cartoon stuff that, um, you know, is meant for adults and, and, and to a large degree, you know, like family guy and, and the Simpsons and there's, there's animation that's, that's definitely for adults, but you don't get that same context when you're looking at a beer can, you know? Sure. And so, um, you know, I have to show her things to say, you know, Hey, does this, where are we here? And so sometimes she guides that. Also, I just want to make sure that, you know, that I'm not, um, uh, I'm trying, you know, trying to avoid, especially in the beer world as well, um, sexist depictions of women. And if, if, you know, if there is sex appeal, how do you make that so that it's not just about, um, you know, from the male gaze that, uh, she can kind of help speak into that as well, you know, cause, I, I'm not a woman, so I don't really understand all those things. Um, but if I'm listening to her and trying to get her perspective and guidance on things, and there's definitely been times where she said, you know, that's a little bit to this or that, or, you know, you need to take it this way. Um, and so it's been really helpful to kind of have that compass. Gotcha. So we're, we're getting kind of close to our time here. What, what is, what is coming down the pipe that, uh, or is it pipe or pike? I can never remember. Uh, I think it's coming down the pike. Anywho. Yeah, yeah pike. Yeah. <laughs> what What is coming down the pike that, uh, that, uh, is exciting for you right now? Well, de- definitely the, the release of campy creatures where, um, I think we're going to be at, uh, creative South and campy creatures is going to be bringing the game awesome. and I'll probably be bringing some posters with them. And, uh, it, you know, it's super fun cause, uh, they're going to do a uh, gin con, which is actually in Indianapolis where we're living now. And, um, mm-hmm. I'm going to go and be a part of that and be able to walk around and kind of see what's going on there and, uh, probably sign some posters and that kind of stuff. But, um, that's, that's sort of the, the next thing coming up. Um, I am currently, this is February right now and I'm the February, uh, featured artist for inch by inch buttons Mm -hmm. um so i did the this uh the series of buttons for them and um yeah so i don't know what's really coming down (laughs) uh the pike (laughs) in in terms of the summer which is uh, i just always know that i'm going to have a ton of beer stuff to do um but right now you know we just moved and we're trying to kind of get settled so there's going to be a little bit of a a calm before the storm Mm-hmm. But, um, I, I do want to, um, I think the next phase is to do a little bit more, uh, collaboration with my wife. Um, my wife is also really great at, um, developing sewing patterns and mm-hmm. I'd love to kind of do some work that takes on a little bit more of a, a three-dimensional quality and kind of work with her on some things that are just more sort of art projects. Um, and that might end up in sort of the Emmerich office shop or so to speak. And, um, yeah, so yeah, she does these, uh, she used to do all these sewing, sewing patterns and post them online and mm-hmm. then people were stealing them and making them on Etsy uh, and selling, course. uh, stuff based on her, um, uh, design. So we started, uh, pulling those off and as opposed to po- post- posting them on her blog that she had a, a long time ago, we actually shut down the blog. And I've just sort of been storing up all these ideas and all these things that she's done um, so that we could sort of release them at some point um, for people to kind of, a lot of it's sort of 
sew your own stuff as well, where sure. um, we could provide patterns and that kind of stuff. So that's that's one thing that we're kind of hoping to work on and do. So I think that's it. It's like as far as I can think. Cool. Well, where can people find you online? So my website is Emric. That's my last name. dot co, not dot com. dot co, and my uh, Twitter, Instagram, and Dribble handle is at Emric Office. Awesome, perfect. So since since we're going to be seeing you at Creative South, we wrap up every um, every episode of the podcast by saying go out and hug some necks, um, which is just kind of a way of saying go out and make friends don't be a stranger would you mind taking us out by saying that sure so go hug some necks is that what it is that's it <laughs> you <Okay>. got it <laughs> should i should we say it in an interesting voice i feel like you know like i wish i had a darth vader modulator like um so yeah <laughs> You're good. <laughs> Josh. Go, go, yeah. Go hug some necks. Perfect. Josh, I will see you uh, soon at uh, Creative South. Yeah, thank, thank you so much. find out more about josh on twitter at emrick office and be sure to check out the links in the show notes for more ways to keep up with him you can keep up with the podcast on twitter and facebook at creative so pod and follow creative south on facebook twitter and instagram at creative south ga over at creative south.com and i'm at jay frostholm on dribble twitter and instagram for a limited time new skillshare customers can get their first three months for just 99 cents to get unlimited access to thousands of classes when you sign up at skillshare.com using promo code creative south What are you waiting for? Start learning today. And remember, if you like the show, help support us over at patreon.com slash creative south. And if you like the creative south podcast, head over to iTunes, Stitcher or Google Play Music. Rate us and leave a review. This helps more people find the podcast and allows us to keep getting awesome guests. Now go out and hug some necks.